0: Hello everyone and welcome to NCEA podcast. This is Kevin Baxter, the Chief Innovation Officer for NCEA. Thank you so much for joining us today and we have a a great treat for you. Uh, We have the president of Marion University in Indianapolis, Daniel Elsener with us, we are blessed to have him and uh, special co-hosting duties from kathy mears interim president ceo of ncea so i um, honored to have them both here and kathy i'll turn it over to you to get us started uh with uh dan
1: thank you kevin i appreciate that so i have known dan elsner for probably close to 30 years, maybe something like that for a long time. And he has a remarkable story of innovation, and really a, restarting a, a, a college that was like many Catholic institutions in a little bit of trouble. So Dan, if you want to introduce yourself and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, maybe some of your personal and professional things, and then we'll get into the story of Marrying University.
2: Thank you, Kathy. It's nice to be on this call with you, and thank you for years of service and leadership to the mission of Catholic education outside of my faith and marriage and being a parent and grandparent. That's my focus in life and uh, having all my children go through many, many years of Catholic education and now grandchildren and watching its influence on in our life. and uh, so many others in society. More critical now than ever, I, well, I thank you for all your work and the work of the NCA. I've been member forever. In my years of teaching in Catholic school and being a principal and Superintendent in Wichita and certainly as Secretary of Education here in uh, Indianapolis and now President of Marion University, I greatly appreciate you, the NCA, and. All the leadership and hard work that you and our colleagues have invested in this wonderful mission, so um, You know I Through that. Thank you. I said and you know, I've taught in Catholic school high school in Omaha principal in Topeka at Aiden high school and superintendent in Wichita diocese and then superintendent secretary of education in Indianapolis and I've been president of Marion University for the last 20 years, so it's all Pretty much all I've ever done is uh, commit to the mission of Catholic education. It's a tremendous blessing, and I'm always interested in redoubling and tripling our efforts together because it's so very valuable.
1: It, it is. It's, um, my children have been the recipient of the, some of that great education that you've offered, and we're grateful to you for everything you've done. So Dan, in 2000, when you took over Marion, they they weren't doing well. Marion was struggling a bit. So do you want to talk about that a little bit and the vision that you soon developed for Marion?
2: Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, and I hope it's I hope what we did here it's driven by faith, the Holy Spirit. So if we get on to talking about what was and what's now, people always ask, you know, what um, what was the most important thing or how did it all happen? In one sense, I don't know, in the other sense, I do. We reclaimed the Catholicity of the institution, did things you all do, hired great leaders, got a great board, put together a great vision, and got to work. A little bit of a description. So in 2001, actually, I came on, and I, I pulled up some statistics over the years when people have asked about the Marian Miracle. It's, Some of my friends in in Catholic higher ed have referred to it as a Marian miracle. In 2001 uh, uh, and two, our endowment was $2.9 million. It's now right around at 100 million. We've put about over 200 million in new facilities and assets here and and grown the enrollment from 1,000 total students to almost 4,600 this year total. Um, we were all undergraduate, now it's a university with a medical school, three other doctoral programs, many master's degrees, and and we're growing. We're, we have a vision of providing more Catholic education to more people of all backgrounds, especially those living on the margins, through a network approach. So our home campus is getting bigger. We just announced a uh, mission collaboration will take responsibility for Ancilla College here in Indiana. So we have teaching sites in Oklahoma City, Nashville, Tennessee, other places. So we're using leveraging technology and the big vision is a university can be a lot of places in small communities with that intimate relationship and, uh, Um, I've heard it once the grammar of Catholic school uh, By a professor at Villanova, I think it was a brother named Jacob So in Catholic schools teaching is an intimate communication between two souls So we want to keep the small community environment, but have the benefit of a large infrastructure of leadership technology and finances and frankly I think that's gonna to have to be the way for our K-12 schools to thrive in the future that new models are needed and the courage to move towards those new models by boards and uh, other leaders involved are essential. So we've been on a, a big time roll. We, we see a great future in front of us. Um, if you stay close to your mission, always focusing on academic excellence have clear strategy for enrollment growth. We call enrollment growth our wig, our wildly important goal every year, because if you're not serving more people, you're probably in jeopardy. And then um, we have a power goal. We always talk about leadership. Um, We have a clear vision of leadership. We use the word this, T for trustworthy and ethical, H for healthy, spiritually physically, emotionally, spiritually healthy people are good leaders. Inquisitive, intelligent, innovative people are good leaders, so that's the I. And then of course the skills of leadership. So we focused a lot on, on, on educating leaders for service to the world and putting substance behind that. And we take fundraising very seriously. Our, our fifth power goal is to make sure we have enough resources to do the first four power, power goals well. So um, we we have a kind of a boring plan, but we work on it every year and it seems to work and we're gonna stay with it, so. That's, I mean, that's, uh, I could go ahead. I guess I went a little long there, but that's kind of our formula. We we have a clear vision, clear mission, clear values, five power goals, and we change objectives and initiatives in those power goals every year, but, other than that nothing changes we just keep prayerfully pursuing it as we can
0: that's such a great uh, outline of what we want to talk to you about too and i think um you know the way you described uh marion university when you when you came on board is is not unlike the way maybe a principal is finding a school when they become principal or maybe even a superintendent is finding a diocese in terms of challenges and limitations and, um, you know, maybe debt and, uh, and different challenges. So when you came to Marion, how did you, uh, kind of take those first couple of years in terms of seeing where it was and maybe and having that vision for where you knew it could be, what were some initial steps that you took maybe in year one, year two, year three, to really start to build, uh, build that vision?
2: Thank you. You know, I often use the visual of uh, Marion College at the time that was our name Marion College. We changed university in 2008 9, but I Always have the visual of we had one foot in the financial grave and the other on a banana peel That's the best way to envision it. We had more debt than we had money in the bank um, The bank didn't want to renew our letter of credit Enrollment was the worst ever. We only had 183 freshmen, which it's kind of hard to run a university with that scale. And most of the roofs leaked and the windows leaked, and uh, and people, what was worst deficit is people were losing their confidence, you know, they, internally and externally. So, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a privilege when you start that low, because you only have one way to go is up. And uh, so we went to work. I had a good friend that was a philanthropist, gave a lot of money to inner city Catholic schools, gave me a gift right out of the, for College at the time, to study five to 10 colleges and universities that were almost out of business, but made a big turnaround. And we uh, did that study with an outside firm. And we found there was, unbelievable clear priorities the first one was they all started to turn around with a new leader and a new vision now that wouldn't have to be but in case that's what it was I remember reading the report and I thought well I hope that I was the new leader that they weren't going to get another one and I had hopes of that Um, two they really sat down with their board leadership and said we have to take Responsibility, we have to take responsibility for this institution, quality, service to students, financially, et cetera. It can't be on autopilot. The other thing is to really clarify and shorten vision, mission, values, and goals. Uh, most institutions, their strategic plan is uh, they don't have phone books anymore, but if you can still recall the days when they had phone books, they put a little bit of something in there for everybody. And so when you have a lot of priorities, you have no priorities that was very important. They all took The matter of resourcing their institution very very seriously That it's just a pipe dream if you say you have a mission and vision and sense of service So you have to you have to turn that into okay? What resources will it take you put a business plan You, you integrate the business plan the finances with your vision and mission. That also tends to give you some discipline and we did all those things. Oh, there's a lot of things in between. But I will tell you this, uh, we gave a lot of thought and prayer. We sat down a two day session and took this mammoth meandering plan they had and turned it into a simple two or three page document one sentence vision, one sentence mission, and it really hasn't changed the whole time. Um, But I'll never forget um, Father Hesburgh at Notre Dame, when I moved to Indiana, I got to meet him, and he clearly articulated the key thing to leadership is to have uh, a big idea, that big ideas and big beliefs and big aspirations were easier to accomplish than small ones. It seems counterintuitive. It seems like a small task is easier. Small tasks are just exhausting and they don't get you somewhere and they don't stir people's blood to do something great and be very generous and it doesn't bring you great leaders and teachers and students and parents. Whereas if you, you know, we, (laughs) one day one of my best advisors, he was the CEO at um, Eli Lilly and very involved here in leadership of Marion, and he said, you know, most big cities have a great Catholic university, why can't we have one? At the time, we were a small, struggling college. And I remember thinking, you know, that's a big idea. Well, we started saying, we're gonna, way before President Trump, by the way, we're gonna build a great Catholic university in this great American city, and I just kept saying it. And some people would snicker, and some people told me, you know, we're not building any great university here. We can't even, we're in a college of a 1,000 students. But I would say really, very humbly, that's exactly what we're doing with our medical school and now the great science programs and our doctorate in educational leadership and our Clips Educators College. We've already raised $40 million for our new Educators College to recruit top talent for our schools with a special emphasis, by the way, in Catholic schools. And it just keeps rolling every time we have a a big thought of how to be better service to humanity, we get bigger responses. So um, that was kind of how we approached it, to let the Holy Spirit guide us to something that was magnanimous and big, to share it, get good partners. And uh, the big stuff is easier to do than all the little knickknacks that kind of take up your energy.
0: That's great. those big ideas, I, I love that concept that it's uh, from Father Hesburgh about the big ideas are often easier to get people behind and to move forward. How do you, um, w- again, early on, trying to think about this in terms of the, the educators who might be listening to this podcast saying, gosh, I have a struggling school, I've got a struggling environment or struggling, um, and I have some ideas. How do you prioritize those or how do you think about those in those periods of time when you're trying to make sure that you're Prioritizing the right things.
2: Yeah, you start talking about a big idea and the guy says pay your light bill, you know I mean, right. start there. <laughs> It's kind of a uh, there is a, a Management term they teach it in some of the MBA programs of uh, dual transformation The big idea of vision is out there. We like 10-year strategic plans. I think that's inconsistent with the science around strategic planning, but it works for us And then we update it every year. And then every five years we do a thorough refresh. That's what we're going through this year. But it takes about, like for instance, building a medical school, Foley humming and now going great. 600 some students in it. And we have other doctoral programs in there in anesthesiology and other things, but big things take 10 years. And so um, one of the advantages of, of going a place and staying a while, and the research, by the way, is clear by this. People who take the long view and work at it for a long time, I mean, even if the president changes, the board take a long view and keep plugging. You know, there's a, one of my a sweet sisters that taught me a, lit, a lot in school, a nun, said an inch is a cinch, a yard is hard. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. Have the big vision, stir people's blood, but don't be afraid to take a, a step and a prod and a poke and an inch. Uh, forward the other thing i think is a key is to and give a lot of thought and prayer to it because it'll come it's like the in the verse in the bible you know every vision has its time and it will come you know it won't delay it'll be there for you um understand where you have leverage and can pivot big time there was a a book published just within the last year and a half entitled Pivot and they talked about transformation of institutions and one of the four institutions they highlighted was Marion University and they described something there I didn't realize we were doing very well and that was Pivot with Leverage. What could be leverage? Um, Partnering with a neighborhood parish or organization or with your own parish better or the diocese or a deanery, thinking bigger developing uh, say we could become really special at this school in this why well because we're here maybe in a latino a neighborhood so what would make you unique and set you apart so why would a school a small school is preposterous undertaking to build a medical school right well we understood leverage i don't know if we understood it but we used it and then someone labeled it and all of a sudden we understood it so that happens a lot, by the way. But the, we said, wait a minute, we're the biggest state in the union with only one medical school, by far, by millions of people. And we had a shortage here. And it was all tied up with Indiana University and Indiana University Hospitals. So the hospitals that weren't Indiana University wanted access to a pipeline of physicians. So when I went and started talking to them about it, they jumped all over it. Well, we, we figured out there was a lever there that some people wanted it badly and they felt left out of the other system. And so pivot with leverage. Find out where your leverage, where your strengths are, where the needs are big. Um, I always think that lowercase holy, there's a holy trinity of moving a project forward. What's the need in the world you want to solve that matters? Where's your passion and expertise and partnerships and friends? And then figure out the business model behind it and in right in the middle of that Venn diagram you figure out where you need to be so um, It's taking small steps. It's knowing that there's a larger vision. The small step is leading to they're not random steps and uh, Pray a lot and, and invite people to invest in it um, There's there's never a week goes by. I don't ask people to invest um, in this powerful vision. We raise a lot of money, as you can imagine. And they didn't used to, but again, small ideas will get you small gifts. A big idea will get the parish to rally and the deaneries and the individual donors and foundations and other folks to give you large investments because they believe in you and they know you'll come through with something that's really needed.
1: So Dan, you you talked about um, your leadership program with a focus on Catholic education. Can you tell us about that? How is the leadership program different? How do you form Catholic school leaders differently than public school leaders?
2: Yeah, that's a great point. Dr. Kurt Nelson, a lot of you know, is really the key leader in our, we had a master's and we made an EDD program. Dr. Ken Britt, another great, two great Catholic men really, and then we have others obviously there, but we think a leadership is an inside out project. In other words, what's your calling and purpose? Um, it's always complicated. There's a lot to weigh, but your character and your values and clarity of what you're about in terms of service to others will carry you. We don't. We don't at all diminish you know, listening skills and leadership skills and strategic planning and good financial acumen. And usually a really good leader can find those pieces and parts sufficiently where they have gaps. But you've gotta have a stirring pur- purpose and give the community a purpose to rally around your community of teachers and staff and parents. And then a you know the passion and commitment you bring to that is unmistakable and so um if i was going to say that we we pull from very leadership's theories but the most important one is it's an inside out project Um, and your character will carry you i always use a quote by eisenhower kathy that President Eisenhower, he he said leadership is getting people to do what you want them to do because they want to do it. And the great distinguishing feature of a leader is to describe things that people want to do very badly, but somebody has to bring it together and give it passion and unmistakable commitment that they know you're going to follow through and you're not going to quit on them and that the Holy Spirit's involved in it, that it's prayerful, substantive, and big. And when you give them that, people tend to walk through walls for things and over and under and around walls. So our leadership program's very thorough. The people that run it are of devout faith. We have people with obviously the, some technical skills and specific good, it's a good um, community in other words, uh, there's cohorts where people are exchanged, smart people are exchanging ideas with one another and challenging one another. So it's a, it's an EDD program, so it's very practical, but it's, there's great theological and practical underpinnings. A very fine Catholic man came out of the corporate world to do leadership training for Blue Cross Blue Shield. Jeff Hannah, lawyer by training, is also an integral professor in it and uh, so the thing oozes values and depth, and then it's oversubscribed. We had to limit enrollment, but it's off and running. And I, um, if there's one thing when people press me, what do you need to have a Catholic school move forward, you know, Catholic education? It will always be leadership. You can't work around it. You can work around a lot of things, but, um, leadership you can't work around. You, you've gotta have that go. And we're all developing all the time, so it isn't like they hatch, oh, there's a great leader, it's a process, but that's a big commitment we all have to have and keep working on together.
0: That's great. Uh, I think we would agree with you on that. Um, and so Kathy and I have both had leadership roles uh, over the years, and one of the things, I'm just hearing you talk and knowing you've been there for 20 years, one of the most difficult things, I think, especially over a long tenure, is maintaining that constructive culture. Um, obviously, in Catholic education, it's rooted in our faith. But I also know culture is not something that's ever fixed. So that it's something you need to continually tend to. It's something you need to continually focus on. So over your 20, there, 20 years there, I'm sure you've seen fluctuations to some degrees. How do you uh, kind of connect back to that culture that's really uh, about uh, collaboration, community, our faith. Um, How do you maintain that over a a 20 year span uh, in leadership?
2: Well, I'm like everybody else on the call and listening to the podcast. You never arrive, you pointed that out, so I wouldn't say I have it down. But um, you asked me that, and here's my reaction from my heart. I think it takes a lot of prayer and REALLY THINK A LOT IN PRAYER, A LITTLE JOURNALING, LOOKING BACK, TO CONSTANTLY WORK AT IT. YOU HAVE TO HIRE THE RIGHT PEOPLE, Um, AND I THINK PART OF IT'S BEING A BORING PERSON, A BORING LEADER IN THIS SENSE. GET ON TO SOME THINGS AND STICK WITH IT. I HAVE A LITTLE, (laughs) I DON'T KNOW, I SAW IT YEARS AGO, In the back of my nameplate, I see it every day on my desk, it's by Ronald Reagan. He's, once a leader is convinced of a certain course of action, they have to have the determination to stick with it. So I think that mission and vision statements are often way too long. They can't, people can't memorize them. And sometimes you need a simple little saying, we're building a great Catholic university in this great American city. People can just understand that. It's so simple. And they understand five power goals that never change. We have power goals, and I have a locomotive. I, it's, you know, it was superimposed on a big picture of a power, I was, worked on the railroad in college. A, a locomotive can pull a lot of trains. They can pull a lot of wheat and steel, one locomotive. There are certain goals that will absolutely pull the thing forward, and if you want to build culture, people have to have an understanding. You have to be able to tell the story. And if it's too complex, I mean, I appreciate great intellects reading Newman and others about the mission of Catholic education and Catholic higher ed, but eventually you have to be a storyteller, and it has to stir people's hearts, and then they have to watch you and see if you actually believe it and follow through on it, and then people will invest. Matter of fact, they will shock you what they'll give to it, but you build it over time, People want it to happen in one year two year three years you'll get base hits in one year two year three years, but the big You know we went from when the when we came here the fundraising around here was under a million a year Well We've had years where it's about 30, but we averaged 20 million a year um, Now the last six seven eight years and we'll do better than that this year um, I don't have it all secured yet, but we will we started the academic, you know, the July 1st, but a lot of things in the pipeline, again, on big ideas. So I think it's a prayer. I think consistency is very, very important. Having big ideas builds a culture that stirs people and to really um, just stay with it and constantly hire good people around you um, is all very very important and uh, um, you know you need good folks to support you and uh, just be convinced and stick with it. it it'll build a culture and its time will arrive and then the culture kind of takes over you don't have to hammer away so much it it it's one of these things that feeds itself almost it's a beautiful thing really because you see it manifest itself all over the place.
1: So Dan, I have a final question for you from me anyway. So what's your prediction about Catholic education? Um, Some of our schools are taking a beating, so to speak, this year with enrollment, um, and other schools are doing pretty well because um, public schools aren't able to offer or aren't offering face-to-face instruction. But what's your prediction for Catholic
2: education moving forward? I can predict one thing safely with excellent leadership and the courage to change. Kathy, I'm I'm struggling with people who think the model as we know it has to say that, you know, we have to keep doing what we're doing always. That isn't the mission. The mission is to bring people's hearts and souls to a richer calling and identity, and the desire to learn is to, be a good steward of God's gifts and talents and move forward. That's the mission, how we're organized and in, in, in structured. And in, in the, the vision of leadership from bishops on through, I predict wherever that's clear and there's conviction, whether it's an individual school, a deanery or a whole diocese or the country, it will flourish because it's never been more needed. The ambient culture is corrosive. It's a good culture, I'm not countercultural. I think we should be engaged in the culture. But until someone puts up a good picture and describes the picture of what we can be and what we're called to be and how rich and good that is and the beautiful gifts we received and how we're to take care of them and share them and return them to God with increase, until we do that with more power, well, when we do that, I predict great success because it's never been more important. And we challenge the structures and and the some of the ideas. Well, the parish, the school's a burden to the parish. The school's life giving to the parish. It's an unbelievable ministry of the parish. That's why the parish doesn't the school doesn't cost the parish money. It's an investment in their mission. So it's language, it's leadership, it's conviction, and I predict thriving. And by the way, during times of disruption you can study it in every industry certain people thrive and really make great progress we're in a time of serious disruption we're going to need to use technology better new infrastructures new structures new governance Uh, but we can absolutely thrive like never before school choice at least in one party is very very popular and it's popular actually by the voters in both parties (laughs) the one party though gets a lot of money from uh, structures that that are against school choice. I I know in Indiana and some other places school choice could be a very big uh, Blessing to a lot of families that want to secure this for their children and are now be given are being given the resources So I'm sorry to go on so long I predict great success where there's leadership conviction and faith and the willingness to change and do things we need to do to be great in the future as we have in the past with the dear sisters, brothers and priests that created our system with the help of very generous, but rather poor laity. We're a much wealthier church now. I'm not sure we're as generous as we need to be about our our present and future.
1: Well, Dan, I wanna thank you very, very much for being with us today. Um, it- you um i took a whole page full of notes here so you you always give me something to think about and i appreciate that very much and thank you for your service to catholic education
2: my my absolute pleasure and blessing and thank you for what you do and let me know when i or mary nervisi can be a better partner with the nca i think so much of the work you do and it it's essential for our children the church and the country
1: well we'll be calling you to share our story <laughs>
2: All right. God bless.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Kevin?
0: Thank you so much, Dan, for all of your wisdom. I'm struck by the stewardship adage to return with increase to the Lord, and it is clear. From your leadership at Marion University, and all the work that you've done, that you've uh, you've returned with with great increase to the Lord. And so, thank you so much for being our guest today, Kathy. Kathy, thanks for being with us as well. This is Kevin Baxter, Chief Innovation Officer for NCEA. Thank you for listening to NCA podcast, and we will see you next time. God bless.